0: Here we are amidst banking turmoil in the Western countries, United States, Europe, we've got Silicon Valley Bank, as you recall, Credit Suisse. We really need something to come along, a hero to save us from potentially a 2008 style scenario. scenario. Is that the Chinese? Is Xi Jinping finally going to wake up from his pandemic slumber and save the world from a pretty nasty fate in 2023? As we've seen, Chinese reopening has been hyped all over the world as that very thing. The thing that will save the global economy just in the nick of time, despite all the banking and money irregularities around the world. And lo and behold, just last night, the Chinese report a magical, huge expansion in their non-manufacturing sector. The services sector in China apparently is finally booming. After a lackluster start in reopening, the PMI, according to the Chinese government, surged to 58.2 for the month of March during all of this global banking turmoil, way up to the highest since May 2011. Steve, are the Chinese about to come riding to? Our, is the reopening going the way it has been told all this time? Is China's boom back just in time for all of us?
1: Jeff, that's what we're hoping for, right? I mean, that's what everybody's been talking about. And this kind of almost reminds me back, you know, 2015 kind of era. You know, the global economy was slowing down, and China ran to the rescue and pulled everybody out of it. And now we're all looking to them again to say, okay, look, we need you here. You've been locked down for a while. And there's how could there be any other answer other than you're finally coming out of this lockdown? And there's got to be all this pent up uh, demand coming out of the consumers just going to it's going to be like the United States but only much much bigger everybody's going to go out and spend so it makes sense you get this non-manufacturing PMI 58.2 you know over 50 is an expansion near 60 you're talking some great numbers here and so it would make sense all these consumers in China just dying to go out and spend all this money they've got But yeah, Jeff, there's some problems because if this was true, if this was a real number and we were really seeing demand at this level, I think there's some other things that we should see that validate it. But I don't think we're seeing those.
0: You're right. We never want to take any specific indication, especially in any single month. You never take a single month data too seriously. But you want to see confirmation and corroboration. So, yes, we look at the 58.2 and say, well, that's actually somewhat consistent with the idea of an, a reopening rebound, a surge in demand, as you just said. But we would expect if that was really the case, and this was nothing more than just maybe an uptick in uh, after a prolonged period of stagnation, there would be lit- markets lit- literally buying this reopening surge. We would see commodity prices. We would see bond prices in specific places go up. But we, that just hasn't been happening. Uh, You look at commodities in particular, copper, which is highly sensitive to the Chinese economy. Rather than surging, it sort of rebounded on the idea of China reopening. And over the last several weeks, going back really into February, it's, it's, it's more flat to rolling over. So as this PMI during the month of March is going up, as more in the services economy in China say, things look better for us, the market really isn't buying it. There is at the same time the service, the PMIs are going up the, the commodity prices, and it's not just copper. We've got aluminum, we've got iron, we've got steel, all of these that are hugely sensitive to China's economy, they're more flat to rolling over than anything. So there must be something else going on here because it's probably I think the 58.2 is somewhat misleading because it's representative probably of China's like China's reopening. But it's not the sort of reopening that's leading to the spillover and second order effects that we're all hoping will help the global economy. So there's, there's something else going on here. And it's not just specifically about China's services sector, right? Well, well, well wait,
1: wait a second here, Jeff. You, you went through all these commodities, but you conveniently left one of them out. And come on now, we now we can look at crude oil. Over the last two weeks, it's gone from about 64 to 72 You know, I mean, didn't you see this big drop in crude oil inventories here in the U.S.? Seven some odd million gasoline inventories down. So isn't that maybe maybe all these other commodities are lagging and that crude oil is our leading indicator here. What do you think? Is that is that what we're missing? That maybe that's, you know, the the piece in that PMI that's showing up in the commodity space?
0: (laughs) If that's the piece, then we're in deep trouble because crude oil prices, as you know, Steve, They've been moving lower, not higher. In fact, we've been waiting for crude oil prices to move in one direction or another, and they finally broke lower. Even though they've rebounded over the last couple of days, we're back into the 70s. You look at the crude, the WTI curve, the futures curve, even though it's lost its backward, it's lost its contango and it's mostly in backwardation again, which is consistent with what you just said, the finally a drawdown in inventories there's still a tiny little bit of contango right at the front end of the curve between the first two contracts, which suggests the market, again, is not buying the global economy rebounding here. Sure, maybe China's better than it was before, but that's not causing this global renaissance as everybody hopes for. In fact, if we look at the other half of China's PMI release, the manufacturing PMI, we start to get a sense about why there's so much skepticism in the marketplace. Because the manufacturing PMI, which only got up to what was a 52.6, even though that was the highest in a decade and that was hugely hyped, it has immediately gone back down to 51.9 in March. So already there's the reopening and then it didn't continue. It's starting to sag too. So maybe the global marketplace, including crude oil, and remember, manufacturing is a huge part of the Chinese economy, unlike most places in the Western world, Um, we're seeing China is reopening, but on the other side, external demand is causing all sorts of problems too.
1: Right. And so, you know, you look at the WTI curve, as you said, it's backwardation, but a little bit of contango. And it suggests that, hey, maybe we should look elsewhere around the world to see, you know, maybe this is a one-off print, you know, on the China non-manufacturing, on the services sector. And not that we can trust the data coming out of China anyways, we always have to be a little bit of suspect here. But as you mentioned, Jeff, the manufacturing sector there is decelerating, or it's accelerating at a slower pace. And that's a big indication because you would think we would see both of them surging there. But as we look around the world, we've got things going on in Germany, South Korea. It, it doesn't really tell us that the global economy here is rebounding. In fact, it, it maybe we're just coming off of a Kind of a dep- you know, I don't want to use the word depression in the in the sense of a depression, but maybe in the data where things slow down and, and maybe they went too much and they're bouncing up a little bit. But looking around the world, I'm I'm not seeing a lot of optimism.
0: Yeah, you just mentioned Germany. The Germans reported retail sales not really sobering retail sales number down 1.3% again. That was the third straight decline. not, And I think it's uh, six or seven of the last eight months. So German retail sales, as I've been uh, tracking, I know you have too, but you've been tracking them too, Steve. Um, it's never a good sign when any set of consumers anywhere have to pay more to get a lot less. And at some point when you're paying more to get less, unless there actually is a constant influx of money leading to hiring and spending and all that kind of stuff, eventually... You run out of uh, run out of uh, spending power. Consumers just can't take it anymore because they're just falling further and further and further behind. That's really what the what has what has happened to not just German consumers but consumers all over the world over the last couple of years. And I think we're seeing it most starkly in Germany because of how how insane consumer and producer and energy prices in particular had gotten last year. It just meant. At some point, the economy, the whole global economy, was going to have to revert back to its potential, which was not inflationary. It was not what all the CPIs made it look like. And instead, we're seeing that most prominently in Germany with, again, retail sales down 1.3%, third straight decline. Uh, I know one that you picked up from Germany too. Import prices down 2.4% month over month, the sixth straight month of decline. So German demand for goods, which they buy quite a lot of goods from China, as do a lot of other places, other places around the world in the same position. Germany's not looking so hot.
1: No, and, and you know we talk about deflationary money. We talk about curves being inverted, of all kinds of curves being inverted. And here you have, as you mentioned, Jeff, import prices down two point four percent. Put this in context. It, it that is doubling it was down one point two the month before. But get this. The year over year ready to change with this, and these things are sensitive to CPIs and those other things, so as we look here in the us and we 're trying to tr- figure out is inflation coming back are we going to see more disinflation, maybe deflation? This is what's staggering. They went on a year-over-year rate of change from 6.6 last month to 2.8 this month. Could you imagine, you know, for a moment, if that happened here to the U.S. CPI, you know, before the next Fed meeting, if we see a big drop in this in the year-over-year rate of change, I mean, people would go crazy that the Fed's gone, you know, way too far off the rails. And yet here we are seeing in Germany, again, a sign of deflationary money. And as I mentioned earlier, it's not just Germany. It's not just China. South Korea, too.
0: Yeah, South Korea, where they produce a lot of the world's semiconductors, and as maybe people don't know or should know, um, we went through. I mean, nothing was maybe more emblematic about the supply shock in 2021 than uh, semiconductors. Remember, there was we had millions of millions of of, of uh, almost finished automobiles stacked up in parking lots, just waiting for semiconductor chips. I mean, it was the supply shock of all supply shocks. we couldn't get enough chips and then all of a sudden right steve just seemingly out of nowhere we went from we don't have enough chips we got to shut down production capacity global worldwide to holy cow we have so many chips we don't know what to do with them i mean pc sales have absolutely crashed as have a lot of electronic sales too which has been we went from absolute uh, uh the uh shortage of chips to this massive glut and for a country like south korea which manufactures a lot of these chips and sends them to china and japan and other places around asia what they're telling us uh what was the the industrial production number was down 3.2% seven out of the last eight months they had just one blip last month where industrial production went up but production is going down and down and down. Why? Is it because China's reopening into a boom? Is it because the global economy is just fine? No, I mean, PC, electronics, these things are not just about the supply shock, but they're, they are the, the guts of the global economy. And the Asian economies, South Korea, Japan, and others are telling us there's at the very least a global trade recession Right now, not in the future, right now. And as there's a global trade recession, that tells us something about the precarious shape of global economic demand, which we're seeing right now in Germany. Right, Jeff, because let's just say that this China reopening was
1: everything that everyone around the world is hoping and praying it needs to be to save the global economy from what nobody wants to admit is likely a recession here, at maybe at in, in the very least. So if, if that was true, don't we think that we would hear from companies like Micron and other companies in their earnings report that says, hey, you know what? I, right now, these numbers are terrible. And th- th- maybe they're worse than terrible. But don't worry. We've just been taking phone call after phone call uh, from China. Demand is coming back. So you wait a quarter or two. And boy, we're going to clean out all of this inventory and like nothing you've seen before. In fact, we're, we're going to crank up these factories because demand
0: is coming back.
1: But we didn't hear any of that.
0: No, we still don't. I mean, the, what does the, what the corporate sector say? And it's not just about chips or semiconductors or tech. They're, they always, they still saying economic uncertainty. We have to lay off a bunch of workers. I mean, we're still getting mass layoffs in the United States from economic uncertainty. They're still using that term. Uh, nobody, you're right. Um, the only one that, the only market or the only price that was sort of consistent with China reopening going really well, was the Baltic Dry Index. Now remember the Baltic Dry Index dropped to nearly a record low in the middle of February, which was like, what is going on here? And then it rebounded miraculously from about a little bit less than 600 up above 1500. So it looked like this massive sharp rebound that's like China's services PMI suggesting, okay, China didn't get off on a good foot, but now it's really booming. But when you look at the Baltic dry in context, that from 600 to 1500 sounds great, but it's really not all that impressive either. And it's probably nothing more than a fluctuation, a short run fluctuation too. And since the middle of last month or little middle of March this month, it's still March, right? Since the middle of this month, the Baltic dry has been trending down again from 1500 back below 1400 as of today. So even there, where you would think that if China was booming again, buying tons of iron ore and coal that it would use to create electricity. We would see that in these booking ships and cargoes moving into China. But as you said, the companies are already telling us we don't see anything like that. We're not experiencing this massive resurgence in demand for anything whether it be coal, iron ore or semiconductors or all the stuff that Japan manufactures, Germany too. You look at German trade and exports to China, they're through the floor, not through the roof.
1: Right. And and so here in the US we saw that, you know, initial big round of layoffs and then there was kind of this lull, kind of like the banking crisis, you know, crisis lull and then you kind of wonder what's coming next. And what are we now hearing? Well, you know, we're going to trim a little bit more. We're going to trim a little bit more. And hopefully this is it because, you know, but everyone's looking at this demand issue. And then today we got the personal savings rate, it's starting to tick higher and is this telling us that hey if China's not going to handle this you know reopening is not going to lead to big boom in consumption maybe the U.S. will and I Jeff I don't think that the personal savings rate is rising because U.S. consumers are thinking hey you know instead of spending I I, I can get a really attractive money market rate right now so I'm going to save money that that doesn't seem to be what Americans do uh, we like to spend we like to consume uh, I think that what we're seeing from the U.S. as well here and I know we're focused in Internationally, but you know we're part of the demand component. Is that U.S. consumers are starting to you know maybe they're not thinking just a banking crisis is going to repeat of the SNL crisis and some other issues. I think they're starting to wake up to the reality is their jobs not certain, the global economy slowing, and maybe it's a good idea to start putting a little bit more money in the bank, even if I can get a bit
0: higher interest rate. Yeah, the funny thing is, or maybe the the alarming thing about all of this is that the data we're talking about, even China's PMI to a certain extent, that was really before we start to see the fallout from what just happened. Uh, I mean, Germany's already in a terrible shape, and then its neighbor next door, Credit Suisse, then we got rumors of Deutsche Bank, we got all the stuff with European banking that reminds us of 2008 or 2011 all over again. And Germany's in terrible shape to begin with, I know we shouldn't laugh about this, but it's 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 so absurd. It's so ridiculous that people are still talking. Oh, we're going to avoid a recession. This will be a soft landing in, in good part because look at China's PMI. And the other thing is, as you just pointed out, Steve, like the banking crisis or the econ- general economy, these things ebb and flow all the time. There's always this constant back and forth and churn. But through all that constant back and forth and churn, You can see the direction in all of these uh, economies, whether it's retail sales or whatever, especially global trade. Global trade is such a bellwether for the direction of the global economy. And that is not just sinking, but really sinking. It's really starting to to really have a a much more profound effect than anything we're going to see from China. At least that's what I think markets are pricing. That's why commodities aren't really surging. They're, in fact, starting to roll over. And as I just said, this is all pre-March. Then we get to the fallout from everything that's happened since then. Uh, the, the, the lack of enthusiasm over China's PMI seems to make more sense.
1: That's right, Jeff. And I think you're on record uh, several shows or maybe the last show, I don't remember because we're having so much fun doing these, that you said that, hey, this data is not going to show up until you know April, May, June from the fallout. And I think we both agreed at the time that we needed to see some sort of economic activity here, you know, late February into March, through the end of March to show that, hey, maybe you know, we can get through this. And right now we're kind of looking at the data saying, uh, no, it doesn't look like there's any sort of, re- or or not much of a rebound. And if there is a rebound, it's so weak that once this other data starts to hit, that the fear now is we're going to start to see these unemployment claims eventually start to increase, particularly, as you mentioned before, that a lot of these people are on some sort of severance package. And as that expires, they can't find work. They're going to hit those unemployment claims. And as all this starts to snowball, I think we're going to look back on this China non-manufacturing PMI and, uh, well, we'll probably have a good laugh.
0: Yeah, I think that's, you know, the savings rate might go up too if people start to think I... I need to conserve because I might be out of work, too. I mean, there's a number of reasons. Uh, incomes, are, have kind of disappointed lately, too. Spending has obviously shrunk a little bit. But you're right, Steve. The, the general direction of the global economy, China's MBS PMI, the, the services PMI, is the outlier. And unless other things start to join it in looking like China is going to rescue the world – our base case still happens to be, again, pre-March events, still happens to be recession. And everything else that's come along since then, most everything else, uh, has been in that same category. So thanks for, for joining me again, Steve. As always, look forward to talking to you again next week. We'll see what happens, not just in China, but more bank stuff, money stuff, curves, and all that, too. Thanks, Jess. Always
1: a pleasure. We'll see you then. Okay,
0: take care.